Hey, everybody. Good morning. It is great to have you joining us. It is great to have you in the house. It is good to be here as we continue our majestic series, A Thousand Names. I love listening to that song and processing how many names God goes by. And we hope and we pray that it weaves together with our prayer life. And so that we start leveraging these names of God, not so you sound spiritual, but so that you know who your God is. It was the disciples that said, how should we pray? And Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's look at his names. Let's gain more knowledge of his names so that we understand who he is and let it impact our prayer life, our life in general, maybe even some fears we're facing, some discouragements, maybe even attack. And let it begin to kind of filter through how we view God. And that's so important because we live in a time period where people are making up their own gods. Well, the God I know wouldn't do that or the God, I would never serve a God like that. We need to know what scripture says about God. We're doing that in a majestic series. And so we've talked about Elohim. The first name we see of God in Genesis, it's the idea of God, the creator God, Elohim. That was his first. But then his primary name was introduced at the burning bush. He referred to himself as Yahweh or I am that I am. And today we're going to take Yahweh and we're going to look at the name Jehovah, which comes from Yahweh. So if you've been in our series, Jehovah, you know, is worked out of what they used to do with the ancient language, as well as a name they came up for God, Adonai, working together. Let's go back to our, our picture, if you will, and that always helps us learn. Yahweh, and remember, the ancient Hebrew was a consonant-only language. So Yahweh was Y-H-W-H, a tetragrammation, which means four letters. Now, for fear that they would take the Lord's name in vain, they often used the name Adonai. And where we get Jehovah is from the vowels of Adonai placed in the tetragrammation of the consonant-only language for Yahweh. And you don't get Yahuwah. You pronounce it Jah-va-ha. And we have the name Jehovah. David loved to use the name of the Lord, Jehovah. And so you can take Yahweh, and Jehovah, and either way you can use them as his compound names, which are many. And we began looking at some of his compound names last week, right? We had Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Shema. Well, now let's go ahead and take Jehovah and look at the compound names of Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of Peace. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there, I'm not alone. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, we held up our rod. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Mekadishkim, the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Rahi, the Lord is my shepherd. All these compound names of God that are given to him in scripture that help us understand who he is and what he's done. Today, my goal is for us to look at Jaira, Sidkenu, Mekadishkem, Rafa, and Rahi before we leave. So buckle up. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for your names. Thank you that we can know who you are. For Lord, many times we want a God who always agrees with us. We want a God who likes what we like, overlooks what we want him to overlook. We like to create a God in our own image. But we can't do that. For one, that's not going to bring what we need. Because apart from you, we are nothing. We don't have enough to get through this world. But you, God, are more than enough. And when we know who you are, not defined by our emotions or our feelings, but instead through scripture, not only do we gain comfort from that, not only do we gain assurance from that, but we gain renewal and hope from that. And we pray for that today as we look at your names. In Jesus' name, amen. Jehovah Jireh. Some of you are like, oh yeah, that's mine. I love when people say, oh, that one's mine. That one, I need that right now. Or the Lord will provide. Do you pray to a God who provides? It was Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was long waited for. Abraham prayed for that promised child. But it wasn't until later in life that Isaac finally came. And then many scholars believe around the age of 12 or 14, right in that age, God came to Abraham and said, I want you to go up to the mount and sacrifice Isaac, your only son. What? What, what, kind, of, what kind of illustration? What, what, what's going on here? Abraham obeyed. He rose in the morning, he got together the things of the altar, he grabbed Isaac, and up they went the hill. On their way up, even Isaac asked, Father, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide one. They get up there, there is no other sacrifice. Then Isaac, and Isaac finds himself on top of the altar with his father standing over him with a knife drawn back to sacrifice and obey his God. Oh, sometimes God asks us to go through things we don't fully understand. In the times of my life where I'm being called to do something I don't totally understand, I have to understand that his way is for obedience. Oh, but... Thank goodness these kinds of sacrifices have been replaced by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For the Bible, isn't a reference book where you go one section and say that's how it works. It's a story. Jesus came and sacrificed himself on the cross so the sacrificial system is now something that he has replaced. But there is Abraham standing over him and God says, hold up and provides a ram in the thicket, and the ram serves as the substitute. And it's there, Abraham says, the name of this place will be the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. It's as if God was testing the faith of Abraham to see if he would obey even when things didn't fully make sense. Do you pray to a God that provides for you? Yes. You know, his provision 
We're often focused on what he hasn't given and we forget what he has given. Have you ever done that? For example, ladies out there, maybe you're in, maybe you're even one of our senior saints, but remember the days you prayed for a husband? Oh Lord, I just want to have a husband. Don't let the rapture come before I get married. And the Lord provided. Yeah, he did. Okay. All right. He provided. There he is. He's like, that's right. The Lord provided. We are so focused sometimes on the things he hasn't provided, we forget what he has provided because God says, I will provide what you need. Not necessarily what you want, but what you need. That's very important because the enemy will come along and say, the Lord's not gonna provide for you. He's gonna fail you. This God of the Bible is a joke. You remember that happened and you remember that happened. How about that circumstance? He's gonna come in with all that stuff and you're gonna forget the things he has provided even though you live in a world where things do get at times taken away. I remember a certain time where the Lord really taught me a lot about our Jehovah Jireh. I was a young pastor, starting out as a leadership pastor, and our church wasn't making budget. In fact, we were pretty far behind. In fact, we were around $50,000 exactly behind. And I'll tell you what, I was kind of wearing that pressure. It's one thing to care for your own finances, but as a pastor, you often pray about these things too. And I was just starting out, and so things weren't going that great financially for the church, but the deacons were getting together. We were praying about this, and they said, we really feel like it's time for you, Chris, to probably mention this to the church. I'm like, oh, great. I get to preach about that. Hip, hip. (laughs) All right, I'll go out and talk about stewardship. This will be good. And so I worked on my sermon. I'm like, okay, I got to talk about how this is the Lord's money and not our own. And I'll pray through all this stuff. And like, oh, all the anxiousness of this. But I just started praying like, Lord, this message would be so much cooler after you've provided. And I just prayed that God would provide some funding to get us closer to that from 50,000 so that I could at least share the message, not from a position of need, but from a position of God's got this, but we're called to do this. And I was like, Lord, turn that I just prayed about this. Well, the Lord doesn't always work this way. But in this circumstance, I learned something about Jehovah Jireh. I got a call from our church secretary. He said, Chris, the, the finance officer, I want you to come down here and see this envelope that's on my desk. I'm like, what? Come on down here. I go down. She's like, how much are we behind? I said, well, you know how much we're behind. Why are you asking me that? She goes, I want you to open that. And I opened it up, and it was a check to our church for $50,000. I'm like, it's for 50. She goes, I know what it's for. Did this person know? No way. No way. I later would ask that person, did you know? No, I just felt prompted. I mean, you and I do that all the time, right? Yeah. Can't keep carrying this place like I'm doing. It's felt the Lord lead me to do that, but I was able to get up in front of the church that Sunday and celebrate what God had already done. It was such an awesome prayer for our church, and it was such an awesome moment for our church. Now, I love sharing that in a season like this because this is one of the most generous and good stewardship churches I've ever witnessed or been a part of, even as I talk to other pastors. 
It shows how good a stewardship you're doing in your own personal finances for how the church is doing. But God used that as I will provide. Are you praying for something right now? Jehovah Jireh, would you provide the same check you gave to the... No, that is not what we're... It's not what we're saying. This is how you take an illustration and take it a wrong direction. But Lord, I need to stop worrying about this. And I need to start trusting the God who provides. You know, they often say, you worry about the very thing in your life. You notice how some things you worry about and some things you don't. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I'm really worried about that. Not that at all. Why do you worry so much about it? They say, the thing you worry about the most is the exact area you trust God the least. So whatever you spend the most time worrying about is a huge indicator that that is the exact spot you trust God the least. It's with that daughter <laughs> or with that college payment or with that. Like, I trust God here. I'll jump out of an airplane. Woo-hoo! But not that. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Lord, inform our prayer life. We pray to a God who will provide for our needs. And so as we pray to him, Jehovah Jireh, if I'm asking for something that is bad for me, change my prayer. Jehovah Jireh, if I need this provision, I know you'll do it. Help me to stop worrying and trust you with this. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. We get the name. From the prophet Jeremiah, he was prophesying that the days are coming when he will raise up, God will raise up for David a righteous branch. He says in those days, Judah will be saved, and in his days, excuse me, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name which he shall be called, the Lord is our righteousness, Jehovah Sidkenu, righteousness. It's not a name we use a lot, right? unless you're maybe out in California on a surfboard or something, right? You're not really throwing around the word righteous. What does it mean? Well, righteousness is divine holiness. It's the idea of the condition of being accepted by God. It's something that God provides for us, for we have no righteousness of our own. Romans tells me there is none righteous. There is none who want to walk around that can say they're righteous. There's not a self-righteousness, but there are none righteous. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you understand that sin can be referred to like an archery term of missing the mark? There's a mark that all archers seek to hit. And they grab their bow, they pull it back, and they aim. And they cover their balance, they pull every, all the stops to hit that target. But to miss that target is the same idea of sin. It's a missing of the mark. And scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All miss the mark. All people pull back and miss the mark. There is only one who walks up to the target, pulls it back, and hits it every time. His name is Jesus. And he became sin who knew no sin that we might become his 
righteousness. Wait, his? Yeah, he died for me so that when I accept him as my personal savior, his righteousness is accredited to me. It's like, kids, if, if your parents' bank account was given to you, let's go. Righteousness of Christ has been given to children of God so that when I pull back, bang, I hit it in God's eyes, not because I'm sinless, but because I'm forgiven and I've been given his righteousness and therefore I can enter glory one day because of the work of Jesus Christ, Jehovah Sidkenu. May I not only rest in your righteousness and stop condemning myself and calling myself a failure in my prayer life and yelling at myself that you should know better. Lord, may I pray to Jehovah Sidkenu I am righteous before God. He sees me as if I live life of Jesus. I'm in Christ. And though I make mistakes, I'm forgiven. And I confess my sin because I want a close relationship. But all my past, presence, and future sins are forgiven when I accept Christ as my Savior because of his righteousness. He's our only source. Jehovah Sin Canoe, may I repent of any sin in my life that might hinder my walk towards God. I want to live a life. It's the mark. And when I don't hit it, thank you that I can rest in the fact that you are my righteousness. Jehovah Mekadishkim, the Lord who sanctifies you. The time had come now to build the tabernacle. Moses was given all sorts of instructions. God has a command. He says to the people, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between you and me throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Jehovah Mekadeshkim, sanctify. What does the word mean? The word means to set apart to make distinct. I, the Lord, set you apart. I sanctify you. Sanctification is something that God does, but it's also something we submit to. As we grow in the things of the Lord, we submit to scripture and we grow in sanctification. It's a process, but it comes from the truth of God's word and living it out. There was a day when bookstores were regularly visited. Now we have Amazon, all these different apps. But you remember walking into some of these bookstores? And, and these bookstores would be in these houses, and, and there'd be books everywhere, okay? And you would go in, and you'd look through one. And, and you would pick one out, oftentimes because it had a pretty picture on the front or something. That's a cool-looking book. And then you'd pick it up. And based upon the read, you might pay for it, and walk out with it. You see, so often we're tempted to think, even children of God, that we're just dropped off, lumped in, and left over. But Jehovah Mekadeshkim says, the Lord sanctifies me. Before I was in my mother's womb, scripture tells me, he knows me. The idea is God's foreknowledge, to have a prior knowledge, scripture talks about. 
And therefore, Jehovah Mekadishkim reminds me, he is the one that picked me. Picked me up, picked me out, and paid for me with his life. He redeemed me. He bought me back. And it wasn't cheap. He gave his own life. I have not been dropped off, lumped in, and left over. I have been picked up, picked out, and paid for by Jehovah Mekadeshkim. Thank you for choosing me, Lord, for caring for me, Jehovah Mekadeshkim. Thank you for paying the price for me. Complete my story for he who began a good story. He is the author of your story. He who began a good story is faithful to complete it. Mom, for that young person, you're wondering where they're at spiritually right now, but you know they came to know Christ as their Savior. He who began a good work is going to complete it. It might not be the story you asked for or the story you may have wanted, but Jehovah Jireh will provide. He will finish what he started Jehovah Sin Canoe, your righteousness, Jehovah Mekadeshkim, the Lord who sanctifies you, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God is not just a physical healer, God is also an emotional healer. You all remember the Red Sea parting. Oh, what a moment! God parts the Red Sea. They leave Pharaoh. The Israelites walk across on dry land. It's one of the most epic accounts of all scripture. They get to the other side. The waters recede over top of Pharaoh. I mean, you got to think there was a party you can't even imagine. How safe must they have felt on the other side? They're finally free. They've gotten out of this. I mean, play the drums, play the instruments. Let's go. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. Wait a minute, what? It doesn't sound too good. That sounds like, like a desert area. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. You ever read scripture and go, oh yeah, yeah, three days. Three days without water. How many of you are already thinking about lunch more than my sermon? <laughs> three days. Well, we got 11.15 here. Okay, so tomorrow at 11.15, still no water. Monday, 11.15, no water. Speaking to anybody now? How would your attitude be? Great, God is good. Tuesday, 11.15, no water. Three days without water? You just made the waters part and we can't get something to drink? And this is exactly what started happening. Oh, how quickly we forget when God has done something good. When we all of a sudden find ourselves in a place where we don't see him working per se. But guess what? He's always up to something. God never wastes a trial. And he's got an illustration for them. They've come through something. But he heard all their complaining all those years. He heard all their grumblings against God. And he knows deep down inside his children there is something going on. And God doesn't let his kids just go through life without giving them some opportunities to restore what's actually broken. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Marah means bitter. 
Imagine going for three days. Uh, 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 we could part the Red Sea. We can't even get a water around here. I'm so thirsty. Dad, I'm dying. My kids are always dying. I'm dying. They see water. Oh, 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 they run up. They run up. Have you ever thought you were getting Sprite and got water? Oh, it, oh, right? Oh. And you like water, but when you thought it was Sprite and you get water, it's like, oh. It's like when you thought it was milk, but it's your wife's celiac milk. I'm just speaking hypothetically. And you're like, oh, man, that doesn't taste good at all. And all you health people, we love you. But if you have to tell us it's good, that means it's not good. <laughs> My kids are eating. It's like, isn't it good? Isn't it good? No. <laughs> it is good. We have different definitions. They get to the water. Oh, oh, oh. Ugh. Somebody named this place Bitter. And they named it Bitter. What's going on here? The people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log. What? We need water, not logs. Sweetheart, could I get some water? Oh, there's a fire log over there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> what, what? You ever read the Bible and be like, what, what are we doing? God's up to something. And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water. He took the log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And I often wonder if God did this, how sweet was that water? There the Lord made the statute for them in a rule. And there he tested them, saying, if you listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give heed to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases you just saw that I put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. I can take what is bitter and I can make it sweet. What? I can take things that are bitter and make them sweet. And they came to Elam where there was, let this preach to you, 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. Let's go. And they encamped there by the water. That sounds like a vacation destination. But what were you doing here, God? Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I can take what's bitter and make it sweet. Could you go to Exodus 25 real quick? I put up this phrase, showed him a log. Can we just do just a minute of inductive study? Showed him a log comes from a phrase or it's a verb that means to instruct or to teach. You could carry the idea that he instructed him a log. But what's more curious about this is the verb in its root form means the word Torah. The first five books of scripture or more perfectly referenced here probably as the law itself. And so you could translate it and he cried to the Lord and the Lord Torahed 
or Torahed him a log. He instructed him a log. It's as if God used the word of God, the law of God, to make the water sweet. And he cried to the Lord, and Yahweh Torahed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. It's the word of God that can take things that are bitter and make them sweet. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God used this trial in the Israelites' life to reveal something that was the deeper issue. Marriages don't divorce over toothpaste. It's not it. Oh, yes, it is. It's not it. Friendships don't end over you didn't invite me Friday. Friendships end because something deeper is going on. You don't hate a church you've never attended unless something deeper is going on. You don't despise that organization unless something deeper is going on. You don't absolutely freak out at a youth event at your leader unless something else is going on. Isn't it interesting how God often allows us to go through a trial to reveal the root of the problem that the surgeon wants to get down and dig into? Oh, you thought it was my son talked back to my wife and that's not going to happen in this house when God actually wanted to get down into a root of bitterness in that house that's going to heal the whole family. He oftentimes will take things that we're complaining about, that we're upset about. This is wrong. This is terrible. And he gets down into the root by something someone says or whatever because the Lord wants to heal it not just fix this little symptom, but he wants to heal it. God used the change, the trial. He used his words, his instruction to get to the root of their issue. They've got a bitterness problem. Now, I know we're in a time period where there's no bitterness in society. Now, we're in a time period where we just love to build one another up and encourage each other. Nope, we all know that. Division, anger, cruelty. In fact, young people, if I were to tell you, which do you think is cooler, being mean and nasty or being kind? I bet you guys would go, actually, probably, it's probably cooler to be mean. That's where a lot of things are at. And you know what happens when we are constantly fighting, constantly living in division, constantly holding grudges, constantly angry, constantly fighting? You know what happens? Bitterness grows. And then something sets you off, but there's a root bitterness. And you're walking in here, it's like, you know, the state of the country, this is going on, this is going on. And now, Pastor Chris, it's just one thing after another. Aren't you tired? Does that speak to anybody? Aren't you tired? It's as if God's going, I can part seas, but I want to deal with bitterness in my people and murmuring and complaining. I want to deal with it because I've heard it all. And he takes them through this trial and he shows them, I can take what's bitter and make it sweet. You know why that encourages me? 
I've heard a phrase out there, it's not new to me, it's not new to you. But they say you got two options in life. You can get bitter or you can get better. I have a lot of older people who invest into me and I'm so appreciative for them. But I've got an older friend, he said, Chris, as people get older, you will see they either get bitter or they get better. I know people who have said to me, one of my fears of getting older is getting bitter because my dad grew angrier and angrier the older he got. And so I don't even want to get old because I'm afraid I'll get bitter. I have an 89-year-old mentor in my life. So one of the keys to staying young, Chris, is staying positive. When people get negative, they get old. He's 89 and he's saying people get old. (laughs) They get old, Chris, when they get negative. Young people, they'll listen to positive. They struggle with negative. I did too when I was their age. 89, stay positive. You know what else he tells me to do? Have fun. He goes, old people forget to have fun. It's hilarious to listen to someone 89 talking about old people. (laughs) You got two options, get bitter or get better. I know people who are 38 years old who already have allowed bitterness to win for too long. Are you tired? How many relationships have been destroyed? Are you exhausted? How many cruel things have you said? Do you feel alone? Well, I don't know how to get better. Jehovah Rapha knows how to make bitter things sweet. How? Well, well, God talks about himself in characteristics a lot of times in scripture. Have you ever heard him be, may the God of hope. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard, may the God of comfort. But did you know he's also the God of encouragement? What? God is an encouraging God. Oh, the God I know is actually very mean to me. No, God is an encouraging God. Let me, let me pull a verse up. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen how integral those two words are? Endurance and encouragement? Have you ever watched a long distance runner with his coach near him? How important is endurance to encouragement? Let me flip it. How, how unimportant, how about this one? What if I said quitting and discouragement? How married are those two? Endurance and encouragement are also married together. Do you want to know how to make bitter hearts sweet? Choose encouragement. Especially as you get older. The church needs more seniors, and we got tons of them, praise God, who are encouragers. I lost one recently. I had a chance to speak at her memorial service yesterday. She was one of my greatest encouragers. Her name was Ellen. And her quote to me every time she saw me was this. Oh, Chris, I pray for you every 
day. She was one of the first seniors in our church to come up to me after they asked me to take the lead position. I had been hurrying what I wasn't good at, what I wasn't able to do, what my education didn't qualify me for, why I wouldn't be a good, all those things. And it was really weighing me down. And here's this dear saint in our church. And she said, Chris, you're going to do a great job. I'm going to pray for you every day. Her final year, she wasn't able to make it out. But she'd watch on TV and she'd say, I'm with you. And one time I came to her house and she went, oh my word, you should have told I'm not ready. Calm down, calm down. Oh my goodness. I pray for you every day. I get a little concerned because I knew she was every day. But it's always hard to lose someone that you know is not just saying it. They are doing it every day. She was an encourager. She had a choice. She could get bitter as she got older or she could get better. And she was an encourager. And I offer five characteristics of how to live the sweeter life. Build others up. That's the first one. Build up. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing, First Thessalonians. Build others up. It starts when you're young. You're tempted to tear others down. And you think, if I tear others down, it will elevate me. I want to tell you that's a trick from the enemy. It is not elevating you. It is taking you lower. Build others up. When's the last time, Dad, you pointed out something good he did? We got down what he's not good at. He's heard it every day. When's the last time he heard what he's good at? It is your responsibility, children of God, to build others up. The second thing, an encourager like Ellen knew, speak kindly. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. When you give grace... You're giving something to someone they haven't necessarily deserved. Encouraging people speak kindly. You want to stand out at school? You want a testimony? You don't actually have to even share the gospel, although I encourage you to. Just speak kindly. People are going to be like, you okay? Everything okay? Hey, I just want to say I really appreciate your friendship. Whoa, what? What's going on? This world doesn't even understand what that means anymore to speak kindly. And I'm not saying speak nice. I can be nice to people I don't like. Kindness wishes good for the other person. I know parents who have made a rule in their house. Whenever we have to correct a child for something, we're going to give them three encouragements as well. Speak kindly. Teenager, what gives you the right to speak without kindness as a child of God to your mom. Have you ever thought, well, you're allowed to sin to like 18 and then you make a choice for the Lord, right? Where do you get that in scripture? That because you're young, you don't have to apply it. That's for the adults in the room. When God has called young people, oftentimes to be leaders for older folks, I have found the younger generation filled much more with hope during this season of time than the older generation has been. Speak kindly. 
Offer support. Encouragers, offer support. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, God said to Joshua. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Encouraging people offer support. Discouraging people offer feedback with no help. Encouraging people go, hey, I can't necessarily change it, but you want me to go with you? You want to come with me? I'll go with you. Offer support. Encouraging people give assurance to others. I know every person out there has to make a lot of decisions in your life. I bet you have someone in your life you call to just for that. I think you're doing a great job. I think that's the right decision. Just a little assurance. That's an encourager. I have said these things, Jesus says in John, that you you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. You're going to have trouble, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Encouraging people give out assurance. Who could you offer some assurance? You're doing a great job. Encouraging people inspire others. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's look for ways to stir up others to do good stuff. Encouraging people look for ways to inspire others. Get bitter or get better. Build up, speak kindly, offer support, give assurance, inspire others. I got done the funeral message. I'm walking through the aisle and there's an older man there with his walker that he sits on as well. And he grabs him, Chris, 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 coming. I come over, two hands. You're doing a great job. You want a great church? Get more Ellens. Get more Franks. Get more seniors who have chosen to get better with time and encourage in a world that is filled with discouragement. If I asked your wife, does your husband encourage you? What would she say? If I asked your husband, does she ever encourage you? What would he say? If I asked your mom, does she ever encourage you? What would she say? If I asked your grandpa, does your son ever encourage you? What would he say? May we be encouragers. Why? Because Jesus was. He is the God of endurance and encouragement. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Forgive one another as who? Christ forgave you. Copy Jesus. It's the gospel to be encouraging. He forgave us when we failed. Let's make it a practice to forgive others? Are you carrying resentment that is only destroying you in your life? Get bitter or get better. How do I get to Elam? In my opinion, I would leverage the names of God.
Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Sabbath, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Mekadeshkin, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rahi. The Lord is my shepherd. God doesn't want to just heal your bitterness. He wants to lead you to Elam. It's Psalm 23 we learn Jehovah Rahi. The Lord is my shepherd. How many of you know the psalm? It's an incredible psalm of a little lamb who is being led by a shepherd through valleys, along hillsides, into dark valleys. It's not alive. (laughs) And this lamb is going through a journey. And in Psalm 23, God defines himself better maybe in this chapter than any other book or chapter in Scripture. For did you know within Psalm 23, you can find almost every single compound name of God? You say, I don't have to memorize the list. You can find it in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Rahi. The enemy comes along, the wolf. You're not cared for. Nobody cares about you. You're just another. You're a misfit. Look at you. Look at everyone else. You have no one. And that little lamb says, the Lord is my, who shepherd? Who shepherd? My shepherd. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? If you have, you got a shepherd and he's your shepherd. Jehovah Rahi. I shall not want Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. You're not going to have what you need. You know, in the future, look out into your future. You're not going to have it. You're going to run out. You don't have enough and you're not going to be provided for. And you know what's going to happen? I bet that'll happen. Have you ever thought about that? And what if this happens? Have you ever thought about that? The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Rahi. I shall not want Jehovah Jireh will provide for me no matter what lies ahead. He's a good shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. Look at those waters. Look look at them. Look how terrifying they are. Look at them. They're going to get you. It's coming. It's coming. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me by Still waters. If it's a voice of fear, it's the voice of the enemy. For God takes me in places of peace. Jehovah Shalom. He restores my soul. Jehovah Rafi. This little lamb, he likes to sing from time to time, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And this lamb wanders off from God and the enemy trips him. He stumbles and he falls. Shepherds of sheep would call that a cast sheep, a sheep that's fallen and it can't get up. Jehovah Rahi comes even when I fall because there's nothing I could ever do to make him love me less. I'm forgiven. Look at you, you failure. Look at you, you failure. If, you, if people knew who you really were, You're a disgrace. You call yourself a Christian. You're a hypocrite. You're nothing. Look at you. You can't even, you can't even get through it. 
Jehovah Rapha. There you go. Go and sin no more. He restores my whole soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Look at that, for his name's sake. Jehovah, sin canoe. The Lord is my righteousness. I'm headed for a downfall. I'm headed for a downfall. I'm not going to make it. I know it's only a matter of time. Come here. I'm going to lead you in the path of righteousness. But did you see that over there? Let's stay here. No man, after putting his head to the plow, looked back. Let's walk in the path of righteousness. I'll lead you down that path for my name's sake. For my name? No. For my name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. I'm all alone over here. I'm all alone. Look around me. There's nobody here. There's nobody here. I mean, there's nobody here for me. There's nobody here for me. I look, at, look at this valley. Oh my goodness, look at this valley. I see the valley. Let's go. Oh, you're coming with me? Everywhere you go. Nobody's with you. He'll leave you. He'll forsake you. If you don't measure up, if you don't fit the bill, he's going to leave you. The Lord is my shepherd. He's with me wherever I go. You see, the world's going to try to define, the enemy's going to try to find the shepherd, and it's just not true. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, it brings me comfort when I'm going through things that make me scared. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Yea, though I walk through the valley, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're going to go this way. It's the path of righteousness. Oh my God, look at all those people over there. They're very scared. They're very scared. They're out to get me. We're going to, you're, you, you're done. You're done. Come on, keep coming. We're going to wipe you out. Your rod, which the shepherd used sometimes to clear things out. The Lord goes before me. Come on. I'm scared. I'm not. Come on. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff brought sheep so much peace. Ah, not that way. But it looks so pretty. I know. Not that way. But you never said, I did actually say. It's kind of a gray area. Come on. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Jehovah Mekadishkem. He sanctifies me. I'm ugly. Look at all these, look at all these flies. Fly season makes, they get all over the lambs. Look at all these flies. It's the Lord who defines me. Sanctifies me and sets me apart. Not this world. And that's why the little lamb says, Surely goodness and mercy, tell them, shall follow me all the days of my life because I will dwell in the house of Jehovah forever. Oh, look at that over there. I like when you do that. I know you do. <laughs> Jehovah Sabaoth. I'm scared right now. I know you are. Jehovah Nisi, I need you right now. I know you do. 
I'm thinking about, no, you don't. And when you have a shepherd that's a good shepherd, life gets a little less scarier because you know he's there. And it's the enemy who's saying he's not. Have you come to a point in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to be your personal savior? Is it possible this Bible is not out to ruin your life? Is it possible this Bible points you to a shepherd who is trying to get across to you through all his names this statement? I am enough. I'm enough. I've always been enough. I always will be enough. And may the God of endurance and encouragement comfort you today so that we might in one voice and in harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together we might be in one voice and glorify God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an old song that my dear friend Ellen loved to sing. I would encourage you if you know it to help me sing it out in our closing prayer. It goes like this. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. For all those out there, Lord, that feel you've left them. For all those out there that have been beat up and bashed in by the taunts of the evil one. For all those dads out there that have watched the evil one speak too much to their kids. For all those moms out there that have seen the evil one hurt them and hurt others. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against people. There's a wolf seeking to destroy people's lives in our church, in our community, and the anger, and the hurt, and the bitterness, the anger, and yelling, and unkindness. It's all because there's just a deeper wound. And they need the good shepherd. And they need to hear him say, I'm with you. I got this. And I got you. Lord, you can take bitter things and make them sweet again. In your word, you tell us, while it's still called today, encourage someone. We're approaching the noon hour. We have plenty of time today to encourage someone to copy Jesus, the good shepherd, Jehovah Mekadishkim, Jehovah Sinkanu, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rahi. Thank you for your names. They remind us how bad we need you, and they remind us how close you actually are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.